at the Modern Classrooms Project, and today I'm joined by two phenomenal educators, Susan Boslow and Stephen Schultes. We are going to be talking about building modern classrooms across grade levels in elementary, middle, and high school classrooms. I'm so happy to introduce Susan Boslow, a third grade teacher at Bellwood Antis School District in Pennsylvania. I got to meet Susan last summer when her colleagues were going through our Modern Classrooms professional development. We get to work with uh, individuals in our virtual mentorship program, but it's really exciting when we get to work with an entire team of educators at the same school. There's just such rich collaboration and opportunity. So Susan had a year of teaching with Modern Classrooms under her belt, so she got to be in this kind of cool hybrid role of PD participant and kind of co-mentor. And I felt really lucky to be able to work with her and learn from her experiences of implementing this model with younger grades. Uh, Susan, can you share a little bit more about your background and your work in education? Sure. Um, this is my 15th year teaching and I've taught fifth grade, fourth grade, first grade, and then third grade. Um, this has been an eye-opening experience with using the modern classrooms. My classroom originally was a um, math workshop type of approach, and so I used the modern classrooms and it totally changed the environment in the room. So I'm so excited to talk about that. Mm, I'm so excited to learn more. Also joining us is Stephen Schultes, a sixth grade teacher at Hardy Middle School in Washington, D.C. Public Schools. Uh, full disclosure, Stephen and I are actually friends. Um, our friendship grew out of meeting at a summer professional development many, many years ago now, where we quickly discovered, hey, we're actually going to be teaching at the same school next year. Uh, he was joining our faculty at Eastern High School in Washington, D.C., where I was teaching. And I don't know if I've ever met a more creative educator than Stephen Schultes, just so many ideas. Um, it's always fun to talk all things teaching with you, Stephen. Can you tell us a little bit about your teaching career? Uh, sure. Hello. Um, it's really nice to be here. I actually, um, I did not study teaching in college. I came to teaching late. I always say that um, teaching kind of found me um, and, uh, and it stuck. Here we are at year 11. Um, I've, I started out in middle school. Um, teaching middle school science. And uh, then I taught high school physics for um, a few years. And, um, and now I find myself back in middle school. I guess um, I found modern classrooms uh, because I, I loved the idea of, of, of this assembling of knowledge uh, with students and things just, I would get close uh, with some methods and, um, and farther away with others. And uh, everything just started to finally click uh, whenever I uh, found modern classrooms. That's, I think, a lot of a lot of what I can connect with too. Um, thank you. So I suppose I will round us out. I taught high school social studies, so we have modern classrooms educators at various grade levels represented today. As we talk about what this instructional model looks like in elementary, middle, and high school classrooms, what are some similarities? What are some differences? Uh, and I want to start out by asking each of you what led you to begin to teach with the modern classrooms model for the particular age of students you serve. What made you think, hey, this could actually be really good for my kids? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was an instructional coach, and part of being the instructional coach, we were looking for ways to modernize our instruction. And we found Modern Classrooms Project on Twitter. And so, oh. <laughs> yeah, one of our um, technology directors contacted 
Kareem and asked if he would do a training for our district. And they put it out to teachers that were interested in this. And I wanted my students, one of my goals was to have them become more independent learners. And I had said I used a math workshop type of approach to teaching, but I felt like I wasn't meeting the needs of everybody because yes, it would provide differentiation, but I needed something more because I felt like I wasn't meeting with every group every day. So um, when we went through the training, I was really intrigued by the videos and the ability to sort of clone myself because I felt like I kept running out of time through the class. So by having the videos playing and the students learning from the videos, I was able to go around and then meet the needs of everybody. So it really provided the differentiation that I was looking for in my classroom. Oh, I echo that wholeheartedly. I was taking notes and then I just got to the point where I was like, I don't even need to take notes because I feel like I this, I would say the exact same thing. Um, absolutely. That ability to clone yourself to meet the needs of everybody in the room. Um, I, I echo that completely. Stephen, what about you? What made you sit up and take a look at modern classrooms, especially for, for middle schoolers? Uh, Kareem Farah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll be honest. Um, you know, he, you came over my room one day and uh, to my classroom and said, you know, you're already doing, um, you know, the student-centered learning, you know, you use a modeling instruction. Um, this modern classrooms is the next, is the next step for you. And, uh, and I agreed uh, and I was intrigued and I'd seen the stuff that he was doing in his math classroom. And then I was not teaching high school the next year. <laughs> I actually, that was um, the transition year and I was going to middle school. And so I suppose uh, I was going to make modern classrooms work for middle school because um, I was going to make modern classrooms work um, in my classroom. And it just happened that I was going to middle school that year. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And I can't wait to jump in a little bit, a little bit more to what that looks like in a middle school classroom and how it's it's different than maybe what it looks like in a high school classroom. Um, I you know, it's a new way of teaching. It's there's there's definitely a mindset shift for um, for teacher and student and as well as families and administrators. And uh, I'm wondering, how did you get students comfortable um, in a blended self-paced mastery-based learning environment? Um, Stephen, how did you roll that out to your middle school students? You know, what I did was um, I just did it and just hoped for the best, <laughs> hoped for the best. You know, students come into the classroom and they have such a preconceived notion about what school is. And um, I won't lie and say that this, uh, you know, that rolling this out is is an easy thing. And, and students are just um, flowing around the classroom, directing their own learning. It does take a bit. Um, I think that the, the reaction was mixed. Um, some students and families loved it. Um, they are tired of... Um, of of one lesson for one student. And so they really get into the idea of, of individualized learning. And some students, they just want to, um, you know, they want the old way. <laughs> and, uh, and so that, that, that's a little harder um, to deal with. Yeah. You mentioned, um, you mentioned administrators and I want to ask the same question to Susan about 
yeah, rolling out this new way of teaching to to a school community. So did you, um, how did administrators react in your middle school, Stephen, when you decided that you were you were going to take a, um, a self-paced mastery-based approach in your classroom? I was very lucky because my administrators, um, they were very supportive. Uh, I think that as long as you as a teacher uh, are educated in what you are doing and you really believe in this philosophy and you're able to speak about it, um, administrators are happy to listen to that. And, um, and I was lucky that my administrators were happy to listen to that and to support me uh, when it came time to, uh, to roll that out with, with students and families. That, yeah, that trust is so important in, in teacher expertise. Um, Susan, what about you? How, how did you get your students, your students and then student families and administrators comfortable with this, this new way of teaching? Um, well, first of all, I created a small intro into blended learning unit. So I created videos and guided notes that students needed to take and that took them through the process of what they would be going through and reviewed procedures, why I felt this was necessary. And um, one thing I learned as I was showing the video and we did it, I projected the video for everyone to watch together because third graders don't really take many notes. So I wanted to guide them through the note taking. And that was when I realized that I left too much for them to write down. <laughs> so I had to make sure like the notes did not take the whole amount of time because our video took actually two days to get through because it took them so long to write through the notes. But um, which was good that I tested that out before I started. Um, I, after they were done, they had to complete assignments and a mastery check. So that took them through the process of what we would be going through. And then I printed them a certificate saying that they were ready for a modern classroom. Um, regarding administrators, I have been very blessed in our district that our administration has been very forward thinking and very supportive. You know, we, I went to them with the problems I was having with differentiation and just not meeting everyone's needs. And I came with a solution for that too, with the Modern Classrooms Project. So administrators, of course, are very comfortable when you have a solution to the problem. And the regarding parents, I actually sent them the video that the students and I went through. So they got to see what they would be doing and um, I also talked to them about saying this was such a blessing because we were one of the first elementary schools in the nation to be doing this. So it sort of had them like really involved into this process and they were very encouraged with this. I love that. I love the idea of the certificate, like you are, you have, you are ready for a modern classroom. And I, I, I also, it's so funny as you were, as you were talking, I jotted down, you know, this idea of realizing like, oh, hey, you know, a third grader might struggle with this amount of notes. And there's so much through 
rolling out that quote unquote unit zero. So kind of teaching students how to do this instructional model by doing the instructional model. I agree completely. We can troubleshoot so much early on. Um, uh, so Susan, we get several questions about what a modern classroom looks like at the elementary level. And it's, I think it's a misconception that the model only works, quote, you know, in a high school classroom. Oh, and I think it's also a misconception that it has to look exactly like it did in the Edutopia video that visited my classroom and Kareen Farah, our co-founder's classroom. Um, for those of you who haven't seen that video, that's on our website. But Susan, can you talk a little bit about how you and your colleagues use this instructional model and what might look different if we were to walk into your classroom or see a video of your classroom at the elementary level rather than that, that Edutopia video that people are used to? Yes, um, I would love to have you all come into my classroom, but right now, of course, we can't do that. But um, we love to sit on the carpet. And so my students, when we start our class, they get out their personal pacing trackers and they bring them to the carpet. And so we go through where they are in the pacing tracker and then I display a public pacing tracker and they can see where everyone is. And we talk about goals for that day and what they want to achieve and who's on pace and what we need to do to keep up. We also talk about some wowza students and inspiring students and celebrate their achievements. And um, so students get to see where everybody is and they can collaborate that way. After that, they go off and I am running like a mad woman sometimes around to meet with groups and pull individuals to reteach. And it's, it's a very exciting time because students are working on their own as well as working with me. Um, we create student leaders in that way because some of the students definitely are able to be working ahead of pace. And so those students are ones that other students can go and ask questions to. Um, one thing that's a little different is that I feel all the assignments that they do before they move to a mastery check need to be approved by me. And that way I can settle any misconceptions at that time and we can reteach some concepts and I have them rewatch videos if I see the assignments are not completed correctly. Yeah, I think that you were, when you said that Bellwood Antis, that you were one of the first elementary schools to teach with the modern classroom model, you were absolutely right. And you, we learn just as much from our, our teachers uh, as they do from us at the Modern Classrooms Project. And Susan, you and your colleagues um, made these amazing game boards that you use at the elementary level. Can We'll put them in the show notes. These are incredible all. Um, can you talk about how you use those? Yeah, it's like a game board. So it gamifies the learning in the classroom and students love going through the game board and crossing off as they watch a video and complete the guided notes or as they do the assignments. And um, that just creates such a fun atmosphere for them that they're excited to get their game board out every day and check where they are, what they need to finish. So it really does have a lot of student motivation and provides encouragement for them as they're going through the unit. And they know 
what's expected of them, where they're going, what the end result's going to be. It's so important. Um, Stephen, what about you? I know kind of both elementary and high school educators sometimes feel that middle school is foreign territory, kind of scary. <laughs> um, but I know how much you love this age group. Uh, what would you say are defining characteristics about your middle school modern classroom that we might not see in an elementary or high school class? I uh, I was listening to Susan talk and I was excited. It, it sounds actually very similar to an elementary school classroom. Um, we don't necessarily sit on the carpet in middle school, but we do take the time at the beginning of class to look at um, what what we call a quest map um, in, in my class, um, which is just a, a map that is showing the progression of learning, probably much similar to um, to one of those game boards. Um, and it really um, gives students a chance to to see where they are, to check their pacing, uh, where they are in the in the quest and uh, and do a quick self check in and then and then they're off to the races. Students are going to uh, to different stations. We do a lot of station based work um, where students are engaging in hands on activities or perhaps they're watching a video or taking an assessment or writing something. And those stations can then help students uh, determine who they. Uh, can collaborate with that day. So, um, for example, if if I'm over here at the Organize It station and we're putting together these sort cards, um, you're working here with me. Then you know that's that's who I'm working with with that day. So that may be a little bit different from uh, what you might see uh, in a high school classroom. No offense, not that high school classrooms are not fun, <laughs> um, but <laughs> they there's maybe just a bit more um, a bit more movement in in the, at the middle school level. I really wish schools were open everywhere, and I could come in and see that tomorrow. Um, I'm I'm I was reflecting on modern classrooms at the high school age group, and I was thinking about some challenges and opportunities of using a blended self paced mastery based instructional model with that age group. You know, for high school, I. By the time students get to high school, they've generally, we've talked about this on previous episodes, I know, but they've generally internalized that they are good at or, quote, bad at school. And both of these mindsets really can present a challenge for a modern classroom teacher because, of course, you know, we're used to addressing students who sadly have internalized the I'm bad at school, I can't do this idea. Um, and we we know, as all educators do, that this can hide behind work avoidance behaviors or just flat out disruptive behaviors. And for these students, it can take time and very intentional strategies to give them, you know, a positive experience and that they can actually do this. They can master a skill and revision is okay. Um, you know, and at the high school level, we also see students who have been seen as good at school and they can initially be resistant to revision. Um, I'm curious what you feel are certain challenges or opportunities for teaching with the modern classrooms instructional model at the particular age group you serve. What would you say, Susan, for elementary? So the definite unique opportunity would be the ability to provide differentiation so that each child is getting what he or she needs to succeed. and. We're teaching to mastery, where earlier it might be introducing the concept and then moving on. But this is to mastery, and so the students really know that concept. Some of the challenges for elementary, um, the independence, because 
as I stated earlier, I taught using a math workshop type of approach. And I would always pull my challenged learners to reteach this topic and do a more hands-on kind of teaching with them. When we started with the videos, the first day they actually cried because I didn't pull them and they weren't used to being independent. So I had to give them a pep talk and say, you know, I'm doing the video. I am teaching you (laughs) and you are hearing me one-on-one. And then, yes, I'm still going to be pulling you, but it might not be every day because I believe in you. I know you can do this. And so it took maybe two or three lessons to get that mindset into them. Um, Another challenge in elementary level would be the self-pacing because um, when students would complete their one box in their game board, they would run up to me wherever I was to let me know that they completed this. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, okay, what do I do next? I'm like, well, what's next on your game board? And they would say it and they'd be like, okay, they would go off and do it. But then they would come back and tell me again when they finished it. So um, we had to stop that. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to a high school educator. That just sounds really adorable. (laughs) Well, we had to revise and make goal celebrations at the end of class. So we would celebrate who exceeded their goals or who met their goals. And then they would reflect on something that they were proud of that they did. And so that even helped my challenge learners because they were proud of something. They might have watched the video and took the notes. And that was something they were proud of that they wanted to share. Oh, I really like that. Susan, I love I love that you brought up just that this takes a while. It is a shift. And students, students might not, um, they, you know, we might not be ready to fly on day four, uh, but we're going to get there uh, as a class. I, I think that that's, I, I hear a lot from teachers right now who maybe this is their first year going through the modern classrooms model. And of course, distance learning for, for everyone makes everything more difficult. Um, but I, I think that's a really important point to keep in mind is that, and I, man, it was the same in my room. It it took a while. Um, it, what our classroom looked like in September was not what it looked like in December. Exactly. And like in February, before we started the distance learning, my students could have done a commercial about modern classrooms because they all loved it. And I had to laugh because thinking back to when we started and then where we ended last year, they just loved the process. And they really felt proud of themselves. It is, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing to see students proud of themselves and proud of how they have kind of how they're, they are owning their learning. Um, Stephen, what would you say is a unique aspect of uh, doing this model with middle schoolers, a challenge or an opportunity? Well, I think one of the biggest challenges um, that, you've already mentioned and, and Susan's already mentioned is, is this not just idea of what school is. And I don't know who to blame for this, if this is movies or television. Um, it's just so crazy to think that by the time they're in third grade, that they're already saying, you know, you're not teaching us, um, you know, as if teaching is some kind of, you know, stand and deliver thing. Um, so I think that that's there, you know, and then by the time they're in middle school, that is definitely instilled. So that is, that is a challenge um, to get them used to what, 
learning and constructing knowledge uh, truly is. And so I would say that. Uh, also, just middle schoolers do not know what time is. <laughs> <laughs> they have a they have a hard time uh, managing um, a block of 45 minutes to accomplish um, particular objectives um, in their learning quest occasionally. And so, um, you know, into the middle school level, there, there are some, some tweaks to the model that, that we make, um, you know, coming together as a group to, to have discussions about where we are um, in the quest, uh, maybe a little more often than at the high school level. Uh, we're also, um, you know, shortening modules so that 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 students have a have a set amount of time that that they know that they have to accomplish certain things. So while still giving them, you know, you can move at your own pace. Uh, we also want that pace to to kind of you know stop at this point. That is that's really important. That's a really important intervention for a middle school classroom and even a high school classroom that's really struggling with the self-pacing aspect. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so kind of shifting back uh, to revision, because I love talking about revision um, and this idea of mastery. So I had to ask this question, this idea that we move on to the next lesson only once we've mastered material and reviewed and revised if necessary. Um, this was challenging for some of my students, but we definitely got there. Um, I'm curious if it was challenging for both of you um, in how you built a culture of revision um, with your students. Well, I think um, by the time they're in middle school, um, sort of like high schoolers, they're, they know what grades are. They are concerned about them for better or worse. Um, and so you can, you can use grades as the initial uh, leverage point of, hey, you know, you scored this, uh, which is not ideal, but we are going to revise it so that um, your grade more accurately reflects what you have learned. And, uh, and so having those types of conversations with students uh, was really, really helpful at the beginning um, to get them to, to revise. And, you know, eventually by the, by the, you know, end of the end of the year, you know, with the same students, you know, students are doing that automatically. They're bringing their papers to you or submitting things and, and asking for feedback, uh, which is, you know, as a teacher, one of the most lovely things that, that can happen. Agree. Uh, what about you, Susan? What does a culture of revision look like in an elementary classroom and how did you get there? Well, at the beginning of the year, we talk about growth mindset. And so a lot of classrooms in our building actually do discussions with growth mindset. And the culture of revision falls right along with having a growth mindset. Um, students know that we learn from our mistakes and we still need to keep trying. And so um, I ask them to rewatch a portion of the video or ask them to find one of my student leaders, which is somebody who's in our Wowza column and our pacing tracker to explain something to the students. And they seem to fall right along with that. I, we haven't in the elementary school had anybody opposed to revising something because we talk about learning from our mistakes. It's really important just to have that, have that conversation as, as a class and have it be an ongoing one. Um, how, what are other ways that you incorporate discussion and 
uh, I guess really collaboration in general. I feel like this could this could be an entirely different episode, and I think we're I think we're definitely gonna gonna be making it one soon. Um, but I I wanna I wanna pick your brain a little bit, Susan, and then Stephen, about how you incorporated discussion and intentional collaboration. Our assignments that we do after they watch the learning videos can be worked on collaboratively. So. Students either find a partner that's at the same lesson that they're on, or they work in a small group, and they can work on these assignments collaboratively. I have to teach them what it means to work collaboratively, and it's not just one person giving everyone the answers. So that's a lesson in itself. But um, with discussion, we do share a lot, and we have a very tight-knit classroom community. And we know we're a community of learners and we support each other. And that's what I have found with using this approach. The collaboration has really grown by leaps and bounds. Yeah. And that that's a benefit I know of the of the public pacing tracker when students can when students can look at the tracker and be able to identify a peer that's on their same lesson. Yes, I agree. Um, it's definitely it's definitely a motivation for um, for having some sort of some sort of public indication of where where the students are. Obviously, framed as um, this measures our progress and our hard work. Um, Stephen, what about you? Uh, what does discussion and collaboration look like in your sixth grade classroom? I agree. I think that the public pacing um, can be helpful in that way, or at least taking a moment at the beginning of class to check in with uh, individual students about where they are in the learning progression. And, uh, and like I said before, you know, we do a lot of station activities. So depending on where you are in the classroom uh, indicates what assignment or objective you're working on on that particular day. And so a lot of this happens organically. Um, if I'm working on you know, the exploration assignment for the, for the unit, then, um, and I see that, you know, Joey is also working on the exploration assignment for the unit, um, then we can work collaboratively there. And, um, you know, that's message to students that that is always an option and preferred. It's really lovely by the, you know, the middle of the year, whenever you see students doing this uh, organically. And, you know, it's a nice way for students to work with students that they may not normally be working with. Um, so, you know, students are um, saying, hey, can you want, I see that you're here. Do you want to work on this assignment with me? Definitely. In my classroom, I can, I can say that the only aspect of a lesson where students had to complete it independently was the mastery check, because that was that formative assessment at the end of a lesson kind of served as a, as a pulse check. Do you, do you get this? Do I, do I think you can go on to the next lesson? Are you really showing mastery? Um, but I, I loved having students form that organic collaboration. Like you said, uh, you're on this lesson. I am too. Let's go through the video and do the notes together, or let's work on this assignment piece um, as a group. Yeah, Stephen, I really liked how you said that it might be students who don't normally work together that find themselves working together. And that's something that I love to see in my room as well. I agree. It's one thing, you know, if, if you're the teacher and you're trying to orchestrate these groups of, you know, like, well, let me put these two students together. Um, but to see it happen on its own is, is, is really is really special and really something that I think that is unique about the modern classrooms approach. Yeah, Susan, I I want to loop back to what you said about like you intentionally teach collaboration. Um, like you, you know, it's not it's not somebody does the work. Or uh, can you talk a little bit more about what that looks like? Yeah, because 
at first when we talked about collaborating, it would be one person just gave everybody the answers. And so, of course, everybody wanted to work with that one person. But we talk about how we solve problems together. We can give each other hints, like what might you do to solve this problem? Is there another way we could do this? And that's what we work on at the beginning of the year, we talk a lot about how to work collaboratively. And so those are some situations. And I give them sample problems to use so they can practice that. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed that I had to kind of intentionally teach at the high school level what it meant to be a, a student leader or a TA for the day for that very reason. It doesn't mean you give your classmates the answers. It does mean that you can prod them to certain resources that might be helpful or let them know if they're on the right track. This has been really, really fun. I, um, you know, it's, it's, I think that we have far more in common as educators than we, um, no matter what we teach, even across, you know, the elementary to high school span. Um, and this is just kind of reminded me of that. And I want to, I want to close by asking each of you about your hopes for your students. So what do you think educators and schools uh, can do for kids when we pivot from traditional same lesson on the same day at the same pace for everyone. And we, we shift to a more self-paced and mastery based learning style in a classroom. So I was like, you almost made me cry when you asked about your hopes for your students. Um, Something that I really want my students to be independent learners and thinkers. And I think that's so important as you become an adult to be an independent thinker and be able to use resources to guide you. Um, That's one thing I want them to know. I want them to know revision is okay and it's part of the process. It's the journey (laughs) to get to where you're going, not always the destination. That's important. And to keep being able to set goals for themselves and reach those goals and celebrate that. I have so many of the same goals for my students and they're they're so much older, but it, it absolutely applies. I, I I want those same things. Steven, what about you? Oh my goodness. Same <laughs> if I could add, um I just I, I also did hope that um that students feel joy and and feel special in the classroom. Um that they're having fun and feel like like their teacher saw them that day. Uh, you know. With modern classrooms, I'm able to connect with every single student, um, every single class period of every day. And that has made all the difference. And if they leave with nothing else, I'm hoping that they felt um, that they felt seen, uh, you know, and that and that they, that they felt that that, that science, middle school science was was joyful. That's awesome, Stephen. I think I might cry. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Susan and Stephen. This was so fun. I think we are going to have to do a separate deep dive episode for elementary and for middle school and bring you both back. Um, Thank you so much to you, the listener. The Modern Classrooms Project is here for you, whether you are a kindergarten teacher or you teach seniors in high school. We believe and research confirms that with age-appropriate supports in place, self-paced, mastery-based learning is beneficial for students. You can learn more about teaching with us at any grade level at our website, www.modernclassrooms.org, and take our online class at learn.modernclassrooms.org. 
You can take the free version of our course or sign up for the virtual mentorship program and work with amazing teacher mentors like Susan and Stephen. Um, they're both mentors for us at the Modern Classrooms Project. Uh, you can find us on social media. At Twitter, we're at Modern Class Proj, and we're here to serve teachers so teachers can better serve kids. Um, so get in touch with us and let us know how we can help. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. Thank you. The best part of my job as the head of teaching and learning at the Modern Classrooms Project is meeting the truly remarkable teachers we serve. And then I get to introduce you to some of them in this portion of the podcast we call Love from Our Teachers. This teacher that I'm about to introduce you to, Liz Rosenberg, is amazing. I've gotten to meet with her several times and even pop into her Zoom kindergarten class. And I have to say, watching Liz in action with all of these little ones, even in a distance learning setting, it was the highlight of my 2020 so far. It made my teacher heart just so, so happy. I'm excited to introduce you to Liz and lift up her reflections on our professional development here. Hey, everyone. My name is Liz Rosenberg, and I teach kindergarten at a charter school in Washington, D.C. I am so thrilled and honored to be a modern classrooms teacher as of this year. I highly recommend the training to anyone interested. It's really high quality PD, and my mentor provided such a deep level of support I rarely see in other programs I've participated in. This model really made me rethink how I would run my classroom, and I am so grateful for the opportunity to see new ways of thinking how I can improve my practice. I really believe it will transform schools by allowing for deeper differentiation, student autonomy, and by front-loading the work I do, it allows me to get so much more done for my students within a day's time. It's a lot of work, and it is so worth it. Think about all of the professional development work you do that goes into the void. This is the exact opposite. I'd also love to see more early childhood educators become part of the modern classrooms community so I can have more thought partners who are experts in my age range. Bottom line is just jump in and you will immediately be as amazed by the model as I am. You can learn more about our model on our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. And if you are looking for more comprehensive support, check out our virtual mentorship program, where you can get personalized support from Modern Classrooms teachers who are currently implementing our model. If you want to send us some love and have experiences with our professional development featured on the podcast, reach out to us on social media. We're just the Modern Classrooms Project. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. 